A friend of mine who reads this modest blog inquired of me whether I intended to be vaccinated against COVID-19. The answer I gave is as follows. Well, I had this disease twice, and if I could beat it twice, I'll beat it a third and a fourth time. Eventually, it should be, start becoming like catching any of the other coronaviruses, of which we've all had several in our time. While we were kids, we took them in our stride. Of course, they also mutate, those other coronaviruses, which is why we still get colds. And for someone who's gone a few rounds with it already, this coronavirus is going to be like getting a cold on all the subsequent iterations. Not that you can't die of it, but you can die of a cold, and we accepted that as a tolerable risk. Pretty much we've all gone through life expecting that some people can die of that. If they're told, if they're old, pardon me, and if in the past it would have been called dying of old age. We didn't used to expect to be immortal. We are immortal, but not as far as this flesh is concerned. That's why it's called the mortal coil. It is like something that is going to die. It is born to die. And Shakespeare's Hamlet called it a coil in his famous to be slash not to be discourse, referencing no doubt the helix of the DNA molecule to be discovered some 300 years down the track. The Pfizer vaccine is, of course, made for profit, unlike the AstraZeneca one, which is being pumped out at cost, they say. I find it a bit hard to believe that AstraZeneca are really not making any kind of profit on their vaccine, but stranger things have happened in the name of getting a lot of public goodwill for your brand. In any event, AstraZeneca's technology is a more tried and tested one, not an mRNA vaccine like Pfizer, BioNTech and Moderna. Pfizer made a clinical trial based on the view that if they give it to as many as 45,000 people, then it justifies the fact that it is being done, completed, in months rather than years. After all, you don't usually need anything like that many people, but you do need it to have uh, to have it go on for some time. In the case of new technologies that muck around with the instructions inside cells, like this um, mRNA technology, you would normally expect that people would wait and see what happens. You'd expect that time to be longer rather than shorter. As I'll explain to you, if you, dear reader, have the patience to read on, or in this case, listen on, there has never been an mRNA-based vaccine. This is a whole new ballgame. The theory looks like good science to those in more of the know than I can lay claim to. But we all know that the proof of various puddings is in the eating thereof. I find it stretches my credulity to accept that having ten times the usual number of people taking part in clinical trials means that you can come to sound conclusions about the negative effects in a tenth of the time, especially when it is something that involves new 
and little understood matters, and especially when it is being done by Pfizer, whose business model is personified by Bing Viagra, their flagship medicine, which creates a dependency by creating by preventing preventing the erectile tissue from functioning without it anymore once you start taking it. So you know, if you take Viagra, what could have been simply a temporary lack of potency caused by stress, caused by obesity, which you can hopefully get rid of, instead it becomes a permanent feature. You can only deal with it by gradually increasing the amounts of the dose of Viagra that you take. So how can you trust them to be anything less crafty than they are on Viagra when it comes to this COVID-19 vaccine? Their modus operandi is very well known and very well established. And Moderna is the other mRNA-based one. And that's a company linked to Bill Gates. Now, I've read comments coming from him on population control, which go back a long time before the advent of deep fakes. I remember reading his thoughts on the matter well before this current crisis. He's also somebody who, well, he's said to make a lot of money out of making systems which let computer viruses into computers and then selling the antivirus for it. So, you know, if that's his modus operandi, then he's not exactly the most trustworthy person either. Now, quite frankly, I do get where these population control people are coming from. If I were not a Christian, I'd probably also be in favour of it myself. Especially if you can find a way to select out less productive people and also do it painlessly by rendering people unfertile, infertile. Certainly it beats famine, incurable plagues, and all these other things that wipe out people, including world wars. And we're coming to a point in food and energy sustainability where some depopulating event is practically inevitable. That you'll say, well, that's Malthusian, Malthus being discredited. Well, Malthus has been mocked and disproven for a long, long time, but that's only because agriculture has been able to keep pace with world population growth by dint of, well, first of all, taking over more land in the 19th century, and then by the end of the 20th century, we can't get any more land or not much more land without reaching a certain tipping point for biodiversity. There's not that much more forest or, well, grassland that we can hand over to food production. In the 20th century, it was technology where we were able to keep pace with world technology. The tractor in the 1920s, later on the gene gun, and even one single invention, the, uh, the dwarf wheat by Borlaug, uh, the Nobel Prize winner, has probably done on its own more than any other single invention to keep populations from fam famine. But that has all been at cost. And in the case of Borlaug's wheat, it's been at the cost of having a more and more complex gluten. And let's remember, gluten isn't just one protein, but it's a mix of similar proteins, and it 
can have a, quite a range of characteristics, and it's supported in the case of wheat generally by 42 chromosomes, an immense number of chromosomes for grass. Um, and it has an awful lot of protein encoding potential in it, much more than any other grass. And we never bothered to run proper FDA tests on that dwarf wheat because it was a pro product of hybridization. And of course, we get more and more gluten-related disease every single year. And this wheat is dominating all, over all the other wheats, all the other triticums, and triticum istivum itself becomes more and more dominant over all the other cereals on a, on a worldwide scale. So almost the, the price of any other food is linked into the Paris Exchange for wheat matif. If anyone has a good knowledge of agriculture, uh, they'll understand what I mean. So basically, we're at the point of saturation in several areas of life. We're saturated in terms of how many people we can take on the planet. We're running out of space, including the space to grow crops. We've reached the limits of miniaturization for computers, so they're not going to get much quicker. So the technology is limited. We're going to slow down. We're losing technology as fast as we're gaining it. Concorde doesn't fly anymore. It's just a symbol almost of it. We're getting closer to certain peaks like peak oil. Obviously, we were told that peak oil would, would happen by now. In fact, when I was a boy, we were supposed to avoid it passed it according to what was thought when I was a boy. But, you know, now we're basically closer to peak oil than we were. And you, you get to a point where you think, well, because it hasn't happened yet, it'll never happen. But of course it has to happen. Of course you're going to get peak oil one day. Yeah? The fact that it didn't happen when it was supposed to happen shouldn't lull you into a false sense of security. Unless, of course, the biological origin of oil theory is wrong, and I have my doubts about it. I, I'll admit that I, I do have my doubts about whether oil is, in fact, uh, of a biological origin. And maybe that would mean that there's a lot, lot, lot more. But, you know, even if there isn't, even if, uh, even if it's not true that it came from old life forms, may or may not help us. If we can't get it, it doesn't matter if it's a mineral or, you know, a pure mineral or, uh, or something from uh, old life forms. So... If you can't get it, that's it. So as far as um, uh, peak oil is concerned, there's that. And then we've also got peak phosphorus, peak potassium. All of this we have to worry about in the next one to two, one, one or 200, maybe 300 uh, tops years. And every time you pass a new million, a new billion, pardon me, of human mouths to feed, you're pushing that envelope. You're pushing, you're getting point close and closer to a certain tipping point where you're going to end up with the F word, famine. You can't sustain that population. Imagine you've got a house and you get more and more and more people, and one fine day you discover you really don't have enough space to everyone to actually lie down and sleep. So it's little wonder that those who are in the know, as I say, regard it as a mercy to curtail the climate of population in a sense, by stealth, without people really understanding what's going on or, or knowing that they're suffering, lack of children or not being able to have children, you know, putting it down to, well, nothing planned by anybody else, just bad luck. 
Maybe that really is the best way of doing it. Maybe this expediency overrides all the sort of normal ethical considerations about informed consent. And I kind of get it. I, I understand it. I understand these people. I understand Bill Gates and all the other people that want to go behind the scenes and control the population, okay? Those people who are in the know, those people in those very big chambers drinking very expensive mineral water who decide about what happens to people. However, I'm also in the know in a, in a way that they may not be. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. I am in the know. I, I know certain things they may or may not know. I understand what they understand about agriculture, about sustainability, but I also know my Bible. I know my God. I know what God said. He said, which is Hebrew for go forth and multiply, and he didn't set a specific time or date. He didn't set a specific number or any other landmark or waypost after which you can abandon having more children. Now, I do see that he tells us that at a certain point the earth will be folded up and put away as a garment. And the plan and foreknowledge of God, who's going forth as goings forth, have been from of old, from everlasting, new from old and everlasting, how long the earth will last, how, how many people there will be, and you can't have a single person more or less or a minute added to or taken from any of this which is in God's plan. But you know that day is really down to him. It's not down to some over-wealthy, elite, self-styled benefactor of mankind. It belongs to Jesus. He's the door. Jesus says, I am the door. Gates is not the door. Jesus is the door. So while I understand the population plan, I'm not going to be part of it. It's playing God. I'll oppose it. And this piece of deathless prose or this podcast is a little part of the opposition to it. Hopefully, this simple explanation placed in the public thoroughfare will help. Those who are here, those who've listened this far, you're here because you're supposed to be here. You're supposed to be the ones to understand this and to share it, hopefully, if you agree, or if you don't agree and you just want to discuss about it with other people, then I suggest that you might want to share it. I'd be very grateful if you share it. Please share it out. The ideal population control drug applied to humans by stealth would look like this. It would look like a drug doing a really useful job and helping uh, the people who, ta who take it, you know, to, 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 to have an improved quality of life, for example, not to have to worry about COVID-19, especially uh, a lot of pressures being placed on, on them to, uh, to have it, and then they'd be able to do all sorts of things like go shopping, use an aeroplane, use a train, you know, pass the border in even their own car. Who knows what, what the pressure there might be to make it more comfortable for you in life if you take it.
Yeah. Um, and there's certainly a lot of pressure being piled on. We talk of even COVID passports, vaccination passports. But it, wouldn't, it couldn't have any side effects on fertility initially. So if immediately it was discovered that the people who took it weren't having children, well, then it wouldn't, it wouldn't last very long, would it? However, there are many things that you can do in the gene, which means that you can have children, but your children can't have children. It's called infertility in the F1 generation, which means the first filial generation. If you look, many plants and animals, when they get hybridized, they can have those children. They're hybridizing. They have those offspring. But those offspring then are infertile in the F1 generation, the first filial generation. Many plants, many seeds that you can buy, which are patented seeds, they're infertile in the F1 generation. They have to be redone every time. There are ligers and tigons. Look up ligers if you think I'm lying about it. These are examples of crosses between lions and tigers. They, they can't have their own offspring. Various of the horse family have a similar situation. And, of course, this, this is to do with things going on in the genetic information. They enable one generation to happen, but they don't enable future generations to happen. So the, the dream drug would, would, would have to affect DNA in such a way that you'd get that first filial effect. The first generation has no, has no negative effect. The first, gen the, the, the first generation that uh, take it, <coughs> they can have children. But then the children of the, of the people that took it, well, that's it. Like in the novel Buddenbrooks, where the guy sticks his line under the family tree, and the guy says, well, his father says, what did you do? What did you do? That family tree has been in our family Bible for generations and generations. There's, and he, he, the little little boy says, little tiny Buddenbrook says, ich dachte, es käme nichts mehr. I didn't think there'd be any more. Well, you know, it's going to be like that moment in Thomas Mann's great epos for the whole of humanity. If what I'm saying is true, you might as well draw a red line underneath the human family tree. Of course, that's if everybody takes it, but of course they're not all going to be taking it because the people in the know won't be taking it or they'll take something else. Maybe they'll be taking the AstraZeneca one. Maybe they won't be taking anything. Only 20 years down the line, it would start to come out that very, very few people would be having children. Gradually, you'd start putting two and two together and blaming already a long-gone coronavirus pandemic. Uh, probably the, the, the jabs would have stopped 10 years even before. Maybe they're still going on until that point in time. Who knows? You've got a 38-year-old Greater Thunberg all blaming it on pollution, mercury, and microplastics. You know, how dare you? They'll all be playing a role, you know. All of these pollution aspects, I'm not trying to downplay them. They will certainly be having an effect on everyone as well, and allergies are getting worse the whole time. But if this game plan is the game plan, then all of those things will just be the secondary reason why people can't have children. Oh, probably mainstream media in 2040, if the Lord hasn't returned by then, if any, you know, they'll be saying if anyone blames the old jab, you know, then you're just a conspiracy theorist 
nut job. And then finally, evidence starts to leak out that it was that old jab, old jab and that basically we've put the kibosh on the future of humanity. And then by the time the mainstream starts pointing the finger at Bill Gates, well, he'll already have been dead and buried a long time and they can, they can vilify him all they like there. Do you think Hitler cares about people, what people think of him now? Maybe the thrust of public opinion by that time might be, you know, to say that this was very good. They might give him a nice, cool Swahili name, Project Kwaheri, and say that Project Kwaheri was a great, a great thing to do because it means that now those who are surviving have a much better quality of life. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's true. But for a lot of people, they won't have children, they won't have grandchildren. Their genes won't be included um, in that brave new world. Is it fair that somebody made that decision for them? Well, maybe it's better than having world famine. And it's certainly better if you've you got to guarantee that your own children, your own offspring, are going to be in that brave new world. But for those who are not, well, not so good, is it? So, you know, if we were in theory to jab everyone from early childhood right now until the close of life, start doing that right now, do it for another 10 years, stop once it looks like the virus is all done and dusted, and then 10 years after that, it turns out, you know, starting from six years after that, I suppose, maybe even sooner, that those kids those young people can't actually have that anyone born to them, born to the vaccine, vaccinated people, are not having any children themselves. Well, basically, unless somebody was either in on the, on the secret or was a conspiracy theorist nut job, you know, they're, they're going to go extinct. Yeah? There's going to be whole classes of people that were, that believed in the science who are going to go extinct. So, you know, the people who meekly followed don't exactly inherit the earth, um, you know, whereas the rest who are in the secret can behave nice and meek and they will inherit the earth, um, at least for as long as the, the earth lasts, which probably won't be long uh, in the Christian way of seeing things. Well, they'll probably have to bring up their children after a certain time in, in strict segregation because once... Once it comes out that people, you know, that they, they had inside knowledge and they've got children and other people who might want to have children don't have them, then I imagine that there'll be a lot of anger out there, desire for revenge. But, you know, these are rich people. They probably put their, their children in special enclaves. And if you had about 80% of people getting vaccinated, then you end up with, you know, that kind of situation. You're going to end up with a situation not entirely dissimilar to this Atwoodian Handmaid's Tale style of future. And we're looking at that with 20, 2060s, 2070s. And that would, of course, suit a lot of powerful people who've made absolutely no secret in the past about their sympathies for population control, even eugenics. And so, you know, that's what they want. And so why wouldn't they do it? If they can do it, why wouldn't they do it? If they can find the technology to do it. And that's what this looks like. This looks like technology that might be able to do it. 
How do we know? How do you know it can't do it? Certainly not from the clinical trials, because the clinical trials would need to go, go on much, much longer than we've got. So that was all waved away. So maybe they've engineered it so that they so that at the end of all of this, you're left with that miraculous figure um, enshrined in the Georgia Guidestones, 500 million. Maybe you end up with that number. Um, you know, no doubt they'd like to control what kind of people are in that 500 million. But uh, let's not let them do that so easily. In any event, you have to be relatively intelligent or relatively tough to stand up to the barrage of misinformation that the mainstream is giving you. So to a degree, you're self-selecting for the future if you don't have the jab. I mean, there are things that could go wrong with this. I mean, at the end of the day, there is a religion. Just imagine there's, a, imagine there's one religion, you know. Imagine there's one particular religion, and it isn't hard to do. Isn't hard to do where women have eight children and we have only two. Imagine all the people enacting Sharia law. Ooh you may say I'm a dreamer. I don't do too much of this, or I'll get uh, I'll get asked to give all the uh, royalties to this podcast to uh, certain people. Um, but it's not just me who worries. I'm not the only one worrying about this, yeah? Um, and the more of us who worry, uh, the more of us who can engage with these depopulationist elites, then, you know, the better it will be. Otherwise, what will happen is, you know, if you've got, if you have got um, a religion um, where, you know, you do have more children and also where you've naturally got a certain amount of reticence towards taking the, the, the vaccine. Recently, the British government had to make a special advert to what they call BAME people. It's the BAME of my life to hear these stupid acronyms. Um, they, they, they're just basically telling them, oh, you know, it's safe for you guys and what have you, because they know very well Muslims don't like to take that vaccine. I mean, Muslims are not a lot of things. They're not stupid, okay. And if they 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 what they believe is a load of crap, unfortunately, diabolical crap. But you know, it's what you believe isn't a function of intelligence, believe it or not. Some of them are very smart people. Some of them are very nice people, and they believe what they believe is a load of crap. But that's another matter, okay. I'm not holding that against them as individuals. So, you know, you end up with quite a lot of people, you know, out of the, and there'll be an over, uh, you know, once you get to that point where there's a few people left, if you've still got Muslims pushing their, um, their, their demographic, demographic time bomb, then you know what's gonna, who's going to inherit the earth really, and it won't be the meek, it'll be the Meccans. The Meccans will inherit the earth. I'm not sure that um, the world living as one is exactly uh, what either the Lord on the Sermon of the Mount had in mind, uh, or John Lennon for that matter, uh, that it would be such a big mess as it will be when you get to this 
Dar es Salaam or whatever it's called, uh, you know, that everybody is a Muslim. Um, whether that's going to be the outcome of everything, whether that's what we want. Well, it's probably not what Bill Gates wants either, but that's what might happen out of all of it. That's what could go wrong in all of this. And I don't see anything, you know, how any guarantees how it wouldn't happen. Anyway, what's all this got to do with me? I, I'm already an old man, right? 56. I'm not going to have any more children. I don't need to fear if I go infertile, but I just don't want to, I don't want to succumb to their strategy. They, they've done this to me anyway. They, they, they did this in the, by putting mercury, thimerosal, in the vaccine for measles, mumps, and rubella. Now, it, it, it was there even if you didn't have the triple vac. Um, I gave my kids single vacs from Russia, especially brought them back from Russia uh, in thermal thermos flasks still didn't help dr wakefield was probably onto something but he just got the got the mechanism wrong he was talking about it being a triple back it was the mercury in the backs but a lot of people know that now I mean, he was he was a good lad he just got it wrong we all make mistakes aren't we? Yeah. and by the way i'm not against vaccines i'm just against bad science and thimerosal must have been bad science because if it wasn't if it was great science then why isn't it used today? And having two out of a hundred kids turning out to be autistic during the peak of that thimerosal abuse, what was that all about? Well, it was about scaring many, many parents out of having kids. So you've got falling birth rates all over the Western world where many, many people I know citing, well, I don't want to have an autistic child and two out of hundred children are autistic these days and some of them are so strongly you know, also another thing is you've got allergies going through the roof i don't want them to have awful allergies so they have terrible problems and well you know even in traditional catholic countries during this recent period you've had rates of birth just going right the way down not just because of urbanization that plays a role but it's not enough to explain all of that reduction and I've got three autistic children, one in the first marriage, two in the second marriage, just because of all of this, just because of all of this mercury in the vax, I think. Now, okay, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining, okay? For me, I see it as a gift because, you know, you've got a guarantee of heaven to autistic children. But it's not a choice that anybody would make for their children themselves. If you're going to use the argument, okay, these innocent kids, they go to heaven, autistic kids go to heaven, innocent babies die and go to heaven, well, you'd use that as, an, as, a, as a justification for the abortion holocaust. And we don't do evil that good may come. Okay? So, you know, I can't recommend to others, stand sure, you know, like an Anderson, Anderson plan as the motto, stand sure, and I, I uh, have to delve into my Anderson genes on my mother's side. Um, go back a few generations, that's Anderson. So I stand sure as well. And I have to stand sure in order to encourage other people to do it. Now, another aspect of all of this is, is this vaccine the mark of the beast? Mark of the beast from Revelation 13. Well, the answer to this is we don't know. I don't know. But it's very difficult to exclude it. 
when all the powers in the world are starting to behave around this thing as if it were that mark, without which you can neither buy nor sell. Of course, it could be just a precursor to soften us up for, for another thing, which will be the actual mark. But, you know, if that's the dress rehearsal, I might as well take it seriously. I have no desire to be softened up. I'll resist now, increasing my chance of resisting later. Once you get into a habit of accepting the sort of thing, then next time you haven't got a justification for, for, uh, for doing it because you, did, you, you agreed to this one, why not agree to the next one? And then one of these days it's really going to be the mark. You know, I trust God. And I see what God says in the Bible. I see what God says in, in the 91st Psalm. We don't have to worry about this. We Christians don't have to worry about coronavirus. Okay? You can either read your, your, your Bible or you can grab the, the Gideon's Bible app and get it in any, any one of 1,500 languages. Read Psalm 91. I'd rather you read it for yourself. I could read it out. Rather you read it for yourself. Psalm 91. Now, there are Christians out there who say, well, I'm pretty sure this isn't the mark. I don't think it's the mark. They don't know it's not the mark, but they don't think it's the mark. And not thinking the mark, okay, they'll, they'll risk it this time. They'll, they'll take it. Well, all I can say to such brethren is, you know, don't drive your car too close to a cliff edge at night. I'm grateful to God who in his providence enabled me and my family to be early adopters of this particular pathogen. We had it in January 2020 because of a certain vector coming from Singapore. Um, and then we got reinfected in September 2020. We've had it twice. And no doubt we'll have a few more run-ins with it. But, you know, every time you get it, it's going to be like, I know you. The, the, the T cells and the, and the B cells, they go, they, they see the pathogen, you know, I know you, I, I walked with you once upon a pretty bad dream. Um, and God's given us a marvelous immune system, a marvelous gift. And Christians need to trust him. You, you get the, the T cells and the B cells, they're still there. They test you to see if you've still got the anti antibodies. And of course, you don't get the antibodies after about six or seven weeks, they're already started to disappear after you've had it. I've had a test, I don't have any antibodies, I haven't got anything to show as far as antibodies are concerned, but I'll have the T cells and the B cells, you know, and um, and uh, every time you get it the next time, it's just like a run-in with an old, well, not necessarily friend, but somebody that, something that you know, something that you know, and the body knows how to react, and the body knows what to do, and you know what to do, as well as you know, to pack yourself up in, in bed and, and replan your life a little bit around the fact that you need a bit more sleep for a few weeks. You know, and it takes a lot of vitamins, vitamin D, vitamin C. Uh, vitamin D comes from sunshine. Vitamin C, you need to up your vitamin C. Uh, there's lots of things you can do in order to make sure you're generally healthy. You shouldn't be a smoker. You shouldn't. Uh, you should get plenty of fresh air. You should do what you can to lose weight. If you've got O positive, or actually rhesus doesn't enter into it, but O type blood, it's apparently better anyway. Um, if you had a TB, tuberculosis, uh, BCG, the bacteria, uh, Calmet-Gera uh, vaccination as a child, you also seem to get a bit of bit more natural. 
resistance. But basically, you need to have faith. You need to trust God. That's what it all comes down to. And that, dear friends, is why I'm not going to be having that back. I'm not taking the, the COVID-19 vaccination. Okay? Thank you for listening.